You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And Georgia's 8-1, 27-0 win over Missouri. Uh, up and down game for the offense. Another dominant performance for the defense. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about kind of where Georgia's at, at 8-1 and in the season. We're going to get into Auburn a little bit. Deep South's oldest rivalry coming up. And uh, we're just going to jump right into it and, and really roundtable type thing, guys, starting with you, Rusty. Just overall thoughts on the game. What was kind of your, your vibe? You were there. I know you were cold, but uh, what, was, uh, what was it like? Uh, Friday night was probably the coldest I've been in a long time in a high school football game. Not only is Union County in Blairsville, Georgia, which is on a mountain, um, Union County High School is on top of that mountain. So it was frosty. And then I got through and thawed out Saturday and go to the game. And it was it was nice and crisp as well. But just quick thoughts. Um, George, we've, we've talked about this. All three of us have talked about this. Georgia's in sudden death. I mean, the South Carolina loss puts Georgia into uh, no mulligan zone. They don't have that. They don't have another hit off the tee box. They've got to stay in the fairway the rest of the season. Georgia won. Some people were not happy with the offensive performance. I'm not going to make any excuses. It was not great in person. I do feel that Georgia, once they again, felt like they were going to shut this team down, kind of throttled some things back a little bit. Now, I will say this. Um, Jake, you, probably, you, you saw it in person. The ball that Jake Fromm threw on the Georgia sideline that he dropped in the second quarter was one of the best throws you'll ever see. I mean, it was on the money. Dropped it in the bucket, and Cager just dropped it. That's another 30, 32. I went back. as another 30, 32-yard play he would have had. Maybe a touchdown if he breaks a tackle. Because there, was, there, wasn't, there wasn't anything in front of him. They had cleared that route out. And, oh. I mean, you can't blame a total, whole lot on, on Lawrence Cager because he's made so many plays. But, but I mean, when a quarterback who didn't have his best game, he had a couple of balls. He underthrew Eli Wolf one time. He hit him on the money there. That's a big play, and you're right. It could have went to the house because Cager's tough to bring down. But all those things said, I don't think it was half as bad as some people think. It, I know I'm kind of the glass half full guy. Uh, Georgia won. The injuries are concerning. I know players are playing, but this is a big-time game, and Auburn's coming off a two-week resting period, basically. We'll talk about all that. I think the bottom line for Georgia fans – they won. You move on to the next round. Every week, it's sudden death overtime for Georgia. It's right there in front of them, but they cannot take another another L, in my opinion. Um, you know, especially what I took from it. Uh, the defense smothered Missouri. They had one rushing first down, I think. Um, other than that, I mean, it was they were in total control on that side of the ball all night. Missouri played very much, very much the same thing South Carolina did. Cover one man free, stack the box. They couldn't push numbers out of the way, and Georgia had a tough time running at spots in the game. 
Kip, uh, you probably saw a lot more than either one of, either one of us did with that TV copy. Uh, what was your view? Well, you know, I was, uh, again, impressed with Georgia's defense. I know Missouri, Kelly Bryant out of the game. That's one less playmaker they really had, you know, to put on the field. So as soon as we knew he wasn't playing, I think, you know, you got to you gotta imagine the you know first team that gets the 10 points was going to win that game because it's – I just didn't see, you know, Georgia giving up more than one touchdown to, to, to that team. And, you know, given, you know, all those deficiencies they have on offense, I mean, Georgia did nothing to let them get any momentum at all. Anytime you, you allow less than 200 yards on offense, and I think they were averaging less than three and a half yards per play – uh, and forcing him into third and fourth and long. I mean, your team's going to have a chance to win the game, and, that, and that's Georgia's formula right now. I think that, you know, not letting them get anything going in the, in the run game, forcing a turnover so you're going to – you win the turnover, you know, battle there, and, and getting some big pass breakups, it, you know, that's, that's the key to Georgia's success right now. Uh, the one thing that, you know, still is kind of a work in progress there is, you know, the pressure on the quarterback. You know, we mentioned a lot that sacks aren't the the whole thing, but you know, it was it was hot and cold as far as getting disruption in key moments there, and, and so that's still just something that they need to continue to work on. But one thing that kind of caught my eye was the uh, Kobe Dean. You know, he's he's getting a little bit more more rep out there. He's getting more playing time. Saw him get a couple stops and and really kind of seems to be finding a, a niche on that on that defense as kind of that 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 guy you can you can look to on third down to be in coverage, and so I, I think for for him it's it's promising moving forward that he's starting to you know to to figure things out in his first year and just really that defense has kind of established itself as a unit that doesn't have that one star but is really good across the board, not a lot of weaknesses, and, and they have good depth at every position. So that's kind of what I took. You know, one of the Richard LeCount's better games he's had at, at Georgia. J.R. Reed looked good once again. And I really like what I saw from uh, Devontae Wyatt out there as well. I thought that, that you know, he was he was disruptive and, and really did a nice job in, in, against the run as well. That defensive line is really kind of coming into its own great rotation of guys they have a lot of guys that experience but at the same time a lot of these younger guys like i said with Devonte wyatt but also trevon walker goodness gracious that guy can really move and cover some ground and he did so against missouri and and made a big time play in that game and showed that he's kind of a young rising star for georgia as well yeah you hit the nail on the head with with no stars on that defense i I, I've said this a couple times. I just don't know that there is a surefire, you know, top 10, top 20 pick, even a first-round pick on that defense. There are some guys that could definitely do that, but there may be, you know, 10, 15 guys on that defense that get drafted in the first four rounds just because they're all high-quality uh, football players. The inside linebacker group is getting some phenomenal play right now. I, I spent a whole, like, two drives in a row, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, watching just the inside linebackers, and it just happened to be at a certain point in the game where Missouri was trying to trying to get the tight end involved a little bit more. Um, Albert O. I don't even want to try to pronounce his uh, last name. The the guy in the, the we have a little announcer in the press box that 
pronounced it one way. The guy in the stadium pronounced it another. Uh, but but they tried to get him involved. They tried to run a couple pick plays and wheel routes to get a running back or a tight end involved down the field. And Georgia's inside linebackers covered it perfectly. I know one time they tried to pick take Crowder on a wheel route and kind of rub him off a little bit of the of the guy who was covering and and he was he was you know swung right over the top of it like he's supposed to do. Took the right angle. Uh, Georgia's just getting some really good play from its inside linebackers right now, and usually that's a product of the defensive line playing well, and then obviously the secondary's playing well. Tyreek Stevenson got a lot more playing time with Devon Wilson banged up, and he played well. Looking at the offense, though, weird one of the weirder Georgia games I've ever seen, and the reason I say that is because I feel like with the throw to Cager Rusty was talking about early, you know, uh, early on right there. Uh, I feel like Jake Fromm probably made five of of some of the best throws he's made in the first half. There was that throw to Cager. There was another one where he hit Cager on a long out route where, where he had really good touch on it. Uh, there was the two throws on the opening drive, fitting it into uh, Pickens up the seam, and then uh, the, the throw to Cager for 32 yards on, on the first third down of the game, uh, the 30-yard completion to Cager before the half. I feel like those were some of the best throws I've seen Jake Fromm make. You throw in the Pickens touchdown in the second half, and you know you can you can run that number up to six, and then there were probably a couple other really nice throws in that game. But then you you get the throw to Eli Wolf where he pulled the string and left it short. You you had a couple of shots where where he did have guys with a step. He had Karis Jackson over the top and and was just a couple yards too be, too long for him. I uh, had another couple that were underthrown. So, you know, it's it's very up and down, and I think it's very indicative of where Georgia's offense is right now. I know teams are loading the box, but I still contend that's nothing new. Past 38, 39 games, teams have loaded the box. They've loaded the box since Kirby Smart's been at Georgia. Georgia's did a better job, done a better job, I'm sorry, of running the football against those. I really don't know what to put a finger on. I mean, I know that they that Missouri didn't have guys running free in the backfield like Florida did the week before, uh, but but there's something amiss there. There's something maybe the linemen aren't, aren't aren't getting up to the second level as much. Maybe they're not sustaining drives. I know they were really beat up, and and that one, you know, that looked worrisome at, at one point where Georgia had first team center go down, Trey Hill, second team center go down, Cade Mays, and then Jamari Sawyer comes in. Uh, there were some bad snaps that kind of, you know, messed up some drives. Uh, you know, I, I think that Jake Fromm, you know, was going to try to find uh, DeAndre Swift. Went back and looked at that play in the front of the end zone, on uh, from the from inside the ten yard line there. But but it would get the snap got rolled back there to him, and and then he ended up having to kind of get rid of it and throw it to the first guy he could see. So, uh, you know, George George has got to be more consistent on offense, and we're going to get into that a little bit, but. But a weird game, real weird game from the offensive side. Just some great throws, some great plays, some poor throws, some poor plays. Jake, let me ask you a question. Um, knowing football and what you do, how hard is it to do what Cade Mays is doing, man, to play three positions? It's not just stepping in and saying, hey, I got, you've got to know three different positions and make calls. You know, What's your thoughts on that guy being able to do that? Oh, it's it's really big for George. It's really tough for him. It's tough for him to be great at any of them, and and he's had his flashes at right guard this year, and I thought he had some flashes at right tackle too. But he's played all five positions. He's taken he's taken probably five, six, maybe even up to ten snaps at every single position: left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle, and 
center this year. So, I mean, very valuable for Georgia that he can come in and play competent, winning-level football at those spots. But center is just a completely different animal because, uh, you know, Georgia Georgia went, you know, three years, two years there with Lamont Gilliard not really ever having a bad snap. I mean, I, I can't really – I can't remember one. I know Trey Hill had a couple of bad ones when he had to fill in for Lamont against Kentucky. Uh, but but that's something that that Georgia's dealt with a lot this year. I mean, in the South Carolina game, weren't necessarily that many bad snaps, but there were a lot of like you know, a little flutter balls that that Trey Hill was throwing back there. They were getting back there a little slow. They were coming back around knee high, and uh, that that's something I think would really help Georgia's offense if it got cleaned up. And um, there are a lot of other things too. I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody. Jake Fromm's got to play better. Uh, and I think he's capable of playing better. It's it's been a very up and down season for him, and and something you didn't expect from a junior. Georgia's got to catch the ball when when it's there for, for in some of these bigger situations. It's like Georgia's not dropping balls right at the line of scrimmage. They're dropping balls 15, 20, 30 yards downfield, and and they got to get those fixed. So, uh, but 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 Cade Mays being able to do that has been extremely valuable. But at the same time, it's kind of been to his detriment a little bit. I understand. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man. People that just, just look at that on TV and think, you know, have these just another position. It's not. And um, you know, I haven't seen the the whole tape. I'm watching it right now, but you know, it, that's very valuable, very valuable to that dude's able to do what he's, he could do on that those three different positions. Absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, you know, Georgia's got a lot of talent up front, and. They haven't started to click yet, and if it starts to click like it did late in the 2017 season, um, I think this Georgia team can beat anybody. And and in that same token, I think they can lose to a lot of teams too. I mean, it's, this is a team that's got a wide range of, of what they're capable of, and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, it's going to get challenged real, real big time at Auburn um, this coming week. And, uh, you know, moving on here, and, and Rusty, I want to focus on the offense a little bit more what are some of the key issues you see with the offense what are some of the things that that when when you look at it and and consider the first eight games what are some of the key issues that you're kind of uh you know honing in on a uh, big picture just and, and people don't want to hear this and i'm fine with it but I'm, I'm i'm basically paid we're all paid to give our opinion so i'm gonna say it it lost too much at, at wide receiver i mean you watch miko hardman today what he did they don't have a miko hardman um they're they're fortunate that Lawrence Cager is who he is, that George Pickens is being who he is. Uh, they've got some guys that I feel like that 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 aren't moving forward, uh, that that are playing but not really taking the steps I thought they would take. Now, saying all that, they had some drop balls yesterday. Jake Fromm didn't play his best game; still made some great throws. It's it, it, I'm not concerned with people want to point to James Coley right off the bat. Maybe it is, but. I, I'm just saying that it's not clicking. It doesn't mean that it can't click. They saw different things yesterday. It wasn't like, hey, we're not doing the same thing we did against Florida. They didn't play them the same way yesterday. They didn't play them the same way. Um, you know, and, and um, the way they attack things at times is kind of like, I don't know what they're trying to get to, what, you know, with drive. Sometimes they'll run up the middle. Sometimes they'll take just two long shots, and it's kind of a, to me, kind of a wasted series. And then times I felt like they have great calls and things just didn't work out. Uh, you look at the – there was a play yesterday that, that Jake Fromm threw, I believe, to Charlie Warner when DeAndre Swift was opening the flat on the goal line. It was a hell of a play. 
DeAndre Swift was wide open. The problem was they missed a block, and Jake Fromm got hit before he could see him. And and the snap was at his feet. He sure, caught the ball sure. with his shoes. Now, listen, that's James Coley calls a great play. It's a touchdown. It's a walk-in touchdown. It wasn't executed. So, you know, offense is always going to be criticized, and that's the, look. It's a big time job. University of Georgia is a big time job. Mike Bobo got tore a new one, and the dude averaged like thirty four points a game in SEC. So, you know, saying that, I, I don't think it's as bad as it looks. I don't know if it's as good. You know, the, the, some people that are positive about it, they they're just not clicking, man. And I don't I don't have the answer. But I, I really yesterday put my camera down in the second half and really just watched. And, uh, you know, I feel like they're missing some playmakers. I know Dominic Blaylock had a good punt return yesterday, and I think he's going to get better. Um, you know, they've got to find some guys and recruit. they got to find some guys they can run. The, everybody talks about RPO slants. You can't run an RPO slant if you can't separate. It's not that easy, or everybody would do it. Everybody would do it. It's not that easy. Um, and, and, and times yesterday, uh, they just they just kind of looked going through the motions. Like, and in times, I felt like they were good. They got to get more consistent on offense, and they still have time to do that. People, you don't panic in this situation. We talked about the Florida game. Me, you, and Kip all week. Huge game. Guess what? This one's a huge game. This is a big deal for a lot of reasons. Georgia can stay in the playoff. Um, you know, hopes right here big time with a win at Auburn. So, and clinch the East, if I'm correct. So, uh, whatever reason, you know, I know everybody's got different opinions on this. I just think you're having a problem still at wide receiver some, but I tell you what, George Pickens and Lawrence Cage are making things a lot easier because they're winning a heck of a lot of 50-50 balls. And uh, George Pickens is, is starting to hit his groove, and that's a good thing for Georgia. Yeah, when when you start when you t- look at James Coley, you know I, I look at the play you reference. I look at the Pickens getting wide open on a post route for a touchdown and and not lining up correctly. That that was another one that was dialed up by James Coley. I thought the 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 pass that Fromm missed, and you've got to hit that pass. You don't beat good football teams, really good football teams. Listen, I think Missouri's pretty solid. They're the kind of team that. Their ceiling is always going to be fairly low, and, and but their floor is also going to be really high. Barry Odom, just the way he coaches, they're not going to get the elite talent to knock you off consistently. Georgia's probably going to win 9 of 10 against them, uh, 9 of every 10 against Missouri, 8 of 10 at worst, the, You know, as long as Georgia's program is meeting uh, expectations and standards, may win 10 of 10 sometimes. Uh, but but you're not going to beat the Auburns and the and the Alabamas and the LSU's of the world. And I know there's a chasm between those two teams, uh, the, the, where you know they are right now. But but you're not going to win big road games by pulling the string and and leaving throws like that short. You got to fire that thing in there. You got to let it rip. You got to give your guy a chance to make a play. And and that's a walk in touchdown in and of itself. So there's two. There was three touchdowns dialed up by this offensive coaching staff on Saturday. Listen, I'm not defending offensive coaching staff. I've been critical. I've, I was critical going in after the South Carolina game that they weren't threatening the middle of the field. Uh, I was critical even after the, the Kentucky game. I, I think they put the offensive game plan in a box, but but I also didn't think that they got to the outside run quick enough and, and really started to challenge the edges. And, and, you know, I thought they did a good job in the, in the Florida game, but then there were some issues there in the red zone, and I think some of that was on Jake Fromm, who, who ultimately played a really good game against Florida. Uh, but, but I thought the offense, the, the offense was called pretty well on Saturday, and, and I thought that the, 
the the uh, wide receivers did a pretty good job of separating. I do think that this offense is lacking high percentage 10-yard throws, 12-yard throws. I think that's just something that they've got to get better at. Uh, you know, and, and and one thing you point to is, you know, you came into the year with Kyrus Jackson at, in the, at the slot, and then he gets hurt early, and then he's not back until, yep. you know, a few weeks later. So that might have dug into it some. Demetrius Robertson hasn't played a ton of football in the slot and, and is not a very lateral guy to begin with, more of a vertical guy. You know, I think Dominic Blaylock has the quickness to, to create some separation there, but he's a freshman. And uh, Georgia's not just missing Miko Hardman, who, if you go back and watch Georgia from last year, teams were playing him eight yards off, seven yards off because they're scared to get run by. They're missing Terry Godwin, who was who was also really good and really really good at running those RPO slants and just slants in general and separating sure. quickly. You turn look back at that Auburn game last year, fourth down, they bring the house. Terry Godwin gets separation real quick, pitch and catch touchdown. That easy. And uh, but I but I thought James Coley did a pretty good job yesterday of dialing some stuff up, and I think he has been better the last couple of games. And uh, if he continues to do that, then then Jake Fromm has to continue to be more consistent. Georgia has to catch the balls thrown their way, and uh, keep keep going doing what they're doing in pass protection. My main issue though is I don't know where this team goes if it can't find a way to run the ball a little bit more consistently. And and I'm talking about running the ball between the tackles and outside the tackles. Uh, th- this whole idea that that you know I, I really felt like this team would just kind of roll into the season and just run the ball on everybody, and it kind of looked that way early. But just something's been amiss lately. And and to be honest with you, I know that you know I do this X's and O's series every week for those who aren't members of the site, uh, and uh, I've had questions. Hey, you know, can you really focus on the run game this week? Let me tell you something, Sam Pittman. Del McGee, James Coley, and Kirby Smart, they've been focusing real hard on the run game. And apparently they're not able to quite dig out and diagnose exactly what it is either. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I'm going to try and I'm going to see kind of some of the issues that have been in George's way there. But that's the one thing that's amiss. I had higher expectations for this rushing attack coming into the season, uh, and, and they just haven't quite met them, especially of late. Especially, you know, the Kentucky game was pretty good, but South Carolina, Florida – Missouri, uh, I think Georgia's better than that. They're going to have to be better than that down the stretch if if they want to do go go to the places they want to go. A uh, couple things I want to mention here before we go into break. We're really just one thing I want to mention here, folks. If you're not a member at Dogs twenty four twenty four seven, there's not a better time. You've got to basically two days from now in the next forty eight hours, you've got a chance to sign up and get two months. That gives you the rest of the football season. Bowl game, college football playoff, SEC championship game, whatever comes, the first early the first signing period, the early signing period in December, you get two months for one dollar, fifty cents a month. It's really tough deal to beat. Great, great deal we got going on right now. There's never been a better time to sign up with us. All you got to do is just come to our front page at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. It's right there, big graphic, two months, one dollar. Jump right in, give us a shot. You'll have access to us. Basically, you know, Kip twenty. You got access to Kip twenty four hours a day. Me and Rusty about three hours a day. And, uh, that, that. I'm gonna get Kip to start adding recipes too. I'm gonna throw it in as a bonus, so you get not only that after those nacho pictures I saw this weekend. Kip's gonna get start getting barbecue recipes on there. Yeah, I almost skipped the game and drove to Kip's house when he started sending those barbecue those nacho pictures out. Oh. 
Yeah, it's going to be uh, so some chili coming up from the from those uh, pork shoulder. Going to make some leftover pork chili this week, so that should be pretty good. Maybe some uh, barbecue pork pizza as well. So uh, it's going to it's going to be a good week in the Adams household as we prepare for a a pretty big game weekend. Sure. Hey, that, and you get all that stuff right there too when you sign up with Dogs Twenty Four Seven. You get we all love to eat. We get some, get some good recipes, good show recommendations. It's a lot of fun. Basically, we we do we. There's content. There's discussion. There's all of that, and you get it for two months for one dollar. If you don't like it, you're out a dollar, and and you're out in two months. But got a good feeling that you'll like it. Let's jump into the break real real quick. And uh, on the other side, we've got a lot more to talk about. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, here we go. Nine games in. Kip, going to start with you. Georgia's three-quarters of the way through the regular season. At this point, pretty much are what they are. What have you learned about this team? Well, uh, just going right back to the offense, I think that we've established what Georgia wants to do overall offensively, and that's that's control the time of possession. I mean, they came into this game tops in the SEC in time of possession, and they had the ball over 35 minutes uh, against Missouri. And you know, that's if if you look at the national averages, and that'd be good for uh, number two in the country. You know, they're already ninth in the country overall so again they're accomplishing what they're wanting to do uh overall i think they only you know out of 12 possessions they had three three and outs they averaged six plays per drive and, and that's what georgia wants to do overall they want to impose that will but also keep the defense fresh and keep the defense off the field and i think that's kind of you know their bread and butter now it's about can this offense get the ball in the end zone in the red zone and the one thing that, you know, I've learned is that it does seem like with this team and this roster, Jake Fromm is is keying in on his number one and number two guys. And that would be obviously Lawrence Cager and, and George Pickens. And they had well over half the targets, you know, in in last week's game. And, and then the next next two guys had like I think Kyrus Jackson had three balls thrown his way. DeAndre Swift, I think, had two. And obviously, as we said, he should have had a third one thrown his way, but that snap and everything messed that play up. But, I mean, you know, obviously different situations each week, uh, you know, based on score, based on tempo. But kind of the big picture right now is that, you know, this offense, for them to get to where they want to go, they have to diversify their playmakers. You know, you gotta you gotta have your top five guys involved in the passing game. I mean, we look at that Alabama LSU game, which obviously we talked about it on the last show, but what an incredible game it turned out to be. It lived up to the billing. I can't even remember an LSU Alabama game with that many points scored. It, it was incredible. But they each have not just four receivers that they throw the ball to. But they target that running back multiple times each game. I mean, Najee Harris, big-time catches in that game. And so with Georgia, I mean, DeAndre Swift has that capability. 
we know what Lawrence Cager can do. We know what Pickens can do. But the time is now for whether it's Demetrius Robertson, Dominic Blaylock, maybe it's Karis Jackson, but two two of those guys have to be involved in this passing attack. And Swift and Harry have to get a couple catches out of the backfield. And you have to design you have to design that and draw that up and, and be ready to do that in the game. Or, you know, it's gonna be tough sledding down the stretch and especially this weekend. So that's kind of the main thing that you know, that that's caught my eye and, and that, you know, Georgia needs to work on. And also uh, seeing Tyreek Stevenson out there playing the most snaps he's played in a meaningful game so far and faring pretty well. Uh, I think when he came off the edge to get a quarterback hurry, that was impressive. Had a pass breakup in coverage. I think if you have Tyson Campbell back and healthy, and you're getting solid play from from Tyreek Stevenson. At it gives that secondary a, a different look. And, and again, I think we've seen teams kind of move the ball a little bit in the middle of the field on Georgia, getting you know dink and dunking a little bit in the passing game so far this season. But I think if you have that group out there and healthy, it's going to be even more difficult for opposing teams to do that. And I think especially when we're looking ahead to. You know, Seth Williams, a guy that, uh, you know, Auburn's obviously their number one wide receiver in their passing attack. It's going to be definitely critical for Georgia to have that unit out there and playing at a high level. Now, I want to clarify this real quick. I, I don't know if you realize this, Kip. Apparently, Tyreek Stevenson, I just read back through Kirby's quote, uh, Tyreek Stevenson was playing the money because Devod Wilson was out, and normally Mark Webb and Devod Wilson are in there in Georgia's uh, six defensive back packages. So apparently he was playing the money. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's learned that position, maybe not the star, but still when you have the ability to go third down and put a 6'2", 205, 210-pound defensive back on the field, a guy that I had to kind of look down there a couple times, make sure Lorenzo Carter wasn't back because that's, that's kind of how big he is. He's He's huge especially in pads. I mean, he looks like he's 225, 230 pounds running around down there. He looks like Lorenzo when he was a freshman. Uh, but, but he's a big dude, and uh, that, that that's definitely a help to this team is having that bigger body out there. Uh, Rusty, what is your, uh, what's your what been your take? And, and, you know, you can use the same format as Kip and go offense and defense. What, you, what have you learned about this team? Defensively, um, they play together, man. It plays a unit. You know, there's no Roquan out there. There's no, um, you know, I tell you, we, we, we talk about this, Jake. You get into a little more detail. Kip's touched on this before, but there's such a different team with Jordan Davis out there because he dictates so much attention in the middle. And a uh, young man that we covered, both of us, me and Kip covered, young man, Kip may not even re- recognize him yesterday, Case Cook from Carrollton was the starting right guard, the senior there, uh, four or five classes ago, and kind of flirted with a lot of schools. Missouri got him. And I know Case, a big dude. Yesterday, I watched him six, eight, ten plays, and, man, you just come off on Jordan Davis, and it's got to be like hitting the back of an 87 Ford Bronco. I mean, it is wide. It is not moving. And, uh, you know, what he does allows everybody – you look at the stats yesterday, two leading tacklers, I think, Tay Crowder and Monty Rice. That's what Georgia's built to do. And what their defensive line is doing right now is allowing these guys to run and make plays. So defensively, very, very solid. Tyreek Stevenson, you know, putting the, putting the lineup yesterday, 
Uh, Eric Stokes is being who he is. Uh, DJ Daniel seems to be, you know, DJ Daniel seems to have taken advantage of Tyson Campbell being out and doesn't like he's giving away his spot too easy. So we'll see as that goes, as that goes down the line. Very impressed with him. Offensively, uh, you know, there's questions. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Jake, you were critical after the South Carolina loss. Uh, Florida game had a big had big moments when they needed to. I'm interested to see what happens with Georgia if they were to get behind this weekend, 17 to nothing. What offense are we going to see? Because it seems you take the Vanderbilt game, you take some other games, you take this Missouri game, Kentucky, but it was in the rainstorm. Georgia, once they know they've got you suffocating on defense. Not seeing a lot of, you know, they're going to win the game. They're going to run the clock. They're going to win the game. That's why I said yesterday at halftime on the post, and people, like I was making an excuse, no, I felt like you were going to see a heavy dose of running. Uh, they knew they couldn't score. They couldn't get a first down for the most part. So, uh, you know, there's questions, but I want to see Georgia in a situation where they're down. Look, South Carolina beat them. They never got in the red zone. Four turnovers. That, that's, that, that was a bad loss, a very bad loss. But that game wasn't on the defense. Um, so, offensively, you want to see what happens if they were to get behind, and then you want to see how they're going to attack. Because this week, in my opinion, is the worst matchup for them all year because of that front seven, because of that interior defensive line. Uh, those guys are dominating. Those are first-round draft picks. Derrick Brown probably going to be a top-five pick. I was thinking about it today. I remember seeing Ben Cleveland and Derrick Brown at Rising Seniors as a junior. I remember seeing those guys at the Army All-American game. remember seeing them as a freshman. Here they go again. If Cade Mays is playing center, guess who's going to be on Derrick Brown? Ben Cleveland. I mean, these guys have been doing it for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, all that's interesting. And as I say, you know, a lot. We can talk about this until we're blue in the face. You know what you're going to get on Saturday? You're going to get answers. Because whatever Georgia's got in the playbook, they're going to have to use it this week. Uh, still interested to see if they were to get down a couple of touchdowns, how they would attack somebody uh, in, in a fast-paced game maybe. Uh, Jake, two-minute offense, four-minute offense, that type of thing. So I think it's Georgia's 8-1. and one. They're in playoff contention. They had a bad loss to South Carolina, a great win against Florida, big win against Notre Dame. This is the next test, and it's sudden death for Georgia. We're going to find out answers Saturday. I, you know, I'm going to start with the defensive side, and uh, I know I've already hit on the inside linebackers, so I'm going to jump to another position, and that's I love the safety play Georgia's getting right now. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of a weird guy when it comes to offense. I love offensive line play. And I love talking offensive line play. I love learning about offensive line play. But after, after having coached defensive backs at, at the high school level, I love defensive back play probably more than anything. And I love safety play. And I think Georgia is getting some fantastic play right now out of J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount. I think it's probably one of the biggest strengths of this defense. Uh, just the way that those two complement each other. There was a route against Missouri where uh, Albert O kind of came out, was going to run a little out route on third down. And J.R. Reed saw it, knew it all the way, and and cut up under it, knocked the pass down, incomplete, forced a punt. Uh, Richard LeCount's interception was was 
played picture perfect, stayed on top of that route, uh, high-pointed the ball, 71-yard return. He came up and delivered a couple licks, but I really think Georgia's getting elite safety play, and I think that's a position that has really grown as the year's gone on. And uh, and the fu- and the funny thing is, is I think probably the most talented safety on the roster is uh, is Lewis Singh. I think he's probably in, in terms of just raw ability, uh, maybe better than Richard LeCount and J.R. Reed. And, and I think Georgia's stocked at that position for a good while now. I think Otis Reese also has a lot of potential back there as well. And then then Chris Smith, I would ever, wouldn't ever count him out. So I think the future is bright for Georgia at the safety position. And that's been a big part of their defensive identity, especially of late, uh, where they've done a really good job of limiting the big plays. On the offensive side, I'm going to preface about what I'm about to say with, I still think the complete game is out there. I really do. I think Georgia, if they can cut out the self-inflicted wounds and, and play to their capability, they there's still a much better offensive performance out there than they've showed at any point this season. But I also think that this is just what Georgia's offense is. And what I mean by that is I think that the lack of a game-breaking wide receiver, I'm not saying they don't have playmakers. Lawrence Cater's a playmaker, and, and George Pickens is a playmaker. There's not the one guy that you're sitting back there in single high safety and the coach has got his toes crossed. Uh, as he's calling the defense, thinking, man, I hope that they don't run, you know, that they don't find the one hole in this defense and run right by it. I don't think that guy's there. And I know Demetrius Robertson has the speed to be that, uh, but but he hasn't proven to be that thus far. And so I think that's that's probably got a little bit to do with why teams are able to do what they're able to do against Georgia in the run game. Um, but I, but I don't think that that I think this offense can be more efficient. I think it can do a good job of, like I said, cutting out those self-inflicted wounds, not putting itself behind the chains. But it is what it is. It's an inconsistent offense that is not as explosive as. And I know Georgia fans want it. I know they want it bad. They want Georgia to be as explosive as Alabama, and as explosive as LSU, and as explosive as Ohio State. It's not there. It's not going to happen. Maybe they can do it for spurts. Uh, maybe they can do it in a, in a big moment, but in terms of the offensive identity, it's just not what it is, especially if the run game's not clicking. And if you look at Ohio State, they've had a clicking run game all year long. Uh, LSU, been able to run the ball effectively all, all year long. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is, is a big cog in that offense. Najee Harris is a big cog in Alabama's offense. Georgia's got the guy that can support that if they can get the run game going. But Overall, I just I think that if you're sitting here wishing and hoping that Georgia's going to be as as good as those teams, I, I don't know that Georgia's as diverse and talented at receiver as those teams are to be able to do those things. And and, and I, that I say that knowing that Georgia can be a lot better if Jake Fromm is a lot more consistent, and a lot better, and and I think he's capable of that. He's shown that at different points in his career. Uh, but but ultimately, it comes down to Georgia's offense has to take care of the football, and it can win any ball game. That that's just the way I look at it. Is is if Georgia's offense takes care of the football, the defense is so good and so solid and so consistent that the complementary element is there, and Georgia can win. But if you're expecting Georgia to go out there and hang forty and and turn in ten plays of twenty five yards or more, you're not going to get what you want, and unless something just crazy happens but but I just don't see it happening and that, and that's just where it is and and that that's not me saying I think Georgia's limited and Georgia can't beat so and so or I don't even think Georgia's a poor matchup for anybody I just think that Georgia has to 
take care of the football offensively, and, and until they start running the ball consistently and getting the run game going between the tackles because your play-action game doesn't work the same way when you start looking at the outside run, then then they're not going to be anything different than what they have been, and, and I still think that's okay. Uh, guys, any more parting shots before we uh, before we get going? No, I'm you know, on my end, no. Um, and I will touch base a little bit on recruiting because I know we've got a lot of questions on the board. It was a very thin day um, for, I would say, top targets. There were a lot of young kids. I'll have some stuff on that as the week goes on. I am expecting three to four maybe official visitors for Texas A&M. So if people have questions, we will continue to follow that. Uh, right now, it's definitely the focus is on this game. Uh, this week, and we will try to touch base to see if there's any coaches on the road this Friday uh, heading into that game. All right, y'all. Well, here's the thing. We're going to go all Auburn when we come back to you guys later this week. It's going to be a full-blown Auburn show. We're going to get into that game heavy, and uh, and we're going to – listen, we're really familiar. I think all three of us would say we're really familiar with Auburn's personnel we covered all of them as recruits. We covered all of them. I've covered all of them for multiple years. Deep South's oldest rivalry. Georgia's going to be looking to avenge a loss, and, and they got some revenge that year in 2017, but they're, they're going to want to feel a lot different than they felt coming out of Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2017 from losing 40-17, to 17. and we're going to have all that covered for you. Uh, but for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and we'll catch up with you guys later on.